You're about to listen to an episode of Legally Fonds. This episode is brought to you in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inns entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online with a specific exam focus and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter, pre-recorded workshops are also available and courses commence every year in June and November. Register anytime at lawschool.ie and for a 10% discount on any course, just use the discount code LEGALLYFOND. If the Gardaí break your constitutional rights, storm into your house, collect incriminating evidence with a search warrant which is faulty, defective, or maybe just has the wrong address on it, should they be able to use this evidence against you at trial? However incriminating it is. Welcome to Legally Fond Season 2, Episode 6. In this episode, we're focusing on the topic of unconstitutionally obtained evidence. That is, any evidence which is gathered by the guardee in breach of a person's constitutional rights. And the right that we're going to focus on is the inviolability of the dwelling. So Article 40.5 of the Constitution says that the dwelling of every citizen is inviolable and shall not be forcibly entered save in accordance with law. Before we venture into discussing the cases here, guys, why do we have this protection in the Constitution? Well, look, you know, if you own property, then the state shouldn't be allowed to just walk in at any time. You know, they should have a se- they should have, to have a serious justification for doing so. And I, I suppose part of the inviolability of the dwelling hinges on privacy rights. On yep. also the the security of the individual of the family, knowing that the dwelling is a safe, secure, private uh, family home or home of the individual um, that is respected by the state, and that you know that moves away from this idea of the panoptic, all-seeing state that you have a, a place of sanctuary. And I know that's kind of a kind of philosophical way to look at it, but but I think people feel feel very strongly about the the comfort and privacy of, of their own home. Definitely, that when you close the front door, that you shut out the rest in, of the world. You shut out the rest of the world. You're in your private space, and yeah, property rights as well. I guess it's it's important to be able to vindicate property rights, control access to your own property. Essentially, we're discussing two questions here. Firstly, how much do you trust the Gardaí not to abuse their power arbitrarily? And how much do you trust them to respect people's constitutional rights? Secondly, which do you value more, the constitutional rights of someone who is accused of or under investigation for a crime, or the entitlements of the victim and society to have crime prosecuted efficiently and effectively? So maybe let's get into the first case, the O'Brien case. Well, basically, I think the crux of the issue was that there was a, there was a house that was to be searched on a particular road in Crumlin, I believe. They had a warrant anyway. And they accidentally specified the incorrect road instead of the house that they were supposed to, to search, basically. So I think it said that it was meant to be for one hundred number 118, Captain's Road, but it said on the warrant 118, Cashel Road. So pretty similar, but not the same address. So it's like, it's like, like a typo. I mean, there was not uh, an intentional error there. There was an error in form, but there was not any conscious breach of the rights of the defendant there. That's what the court found the case to be. They said it was a technical breach, but it was not a deliberate attempt of the guardie to subvert the rights of the accused by coming up with an incorrect warrant and demanding to search the house. It was very clearly a, a clerical error. 
And so it was basically a typo and the roads are very close to each other. They were relatively thorough in their research and, and gathering of evidence and they made a small slip up. Relatively but, thorough. But I mean, well, this is the thing. I mean, to what standard should the Guardi be held? I mean, it's a, it's a silly mistake to make fundamentally. It is, but I think the judge has said because you're dealing with the constitutional right here, you know, it ha- they have to be held to a particularly high standard. The, the Guardi, though they didn't do it deliberately, they did breach this individual's constitutional right. This is right. practice, not principle. Like, the, they had the justification. They had, you know, that wasn't in question. It was literally just a clerical error on the face of the world. Yeah. So this first case, O'Brien basically says, if the Gardaí consciously and deliberately breach your constitutional rights when gathering evidence, then that evidence will be excluded or will not be admissible or allowed to be used at trial against you. So the O'Brien case, again, said that evidence should be allowed and admitted into court unless it can be shown that those gathering the evidence actually knew their actions were in breach of constitutional rights. In other words, they knew the warrant that they had was deficient and they went into the house anyway. Then there was the seminal case of Kenny. Kenny changed the rule significantly. Kenny said that in order to exclude evidence, all you have to show is that evidence was gathered in breach of constitutional rights. You don't actually have to show that the guardie in the case knew they were breaching someone's constitutional rights. Merely the fact that they had used a warrant that was defective in some way was sufficient in order to exclude all the evidence they had gathered in the search. It's not deliberately breaching the rights as such. It is consciously taking an action that may then uh, turn out to, to breach those rights, whether that was the intent or not. But you are essentially awake and aware of what you're doing. So you're making a typo, you're typing that out, you're physically doing it, you're aware, you're not under any influence of of some kind of external um, out-of-body controlling (laughs) substance or whatever the case may be. That alone is sufficient to be termed a conscious and deliberate breach. So it's not about whether the guard knows he is breaching someone's constitutional rights. It's about whether or not he knowingly does something, in this case, writes out the warrant and puts the wrong address on the warrant. And in doing so, that warrant, because there's the wrong address on it, um, it breaches the, the constitutional rights of the person whose house it is. So it's not about the mindset of the, the guard, it's about his action. And as, as you said, Pierce, I mean, conceivably, how can, how can someone write a warrant without consciously or deliberately doing it. I mean, unless you fell asleep at the desk and you were just about to do the kind of the dotting of, of the I's and the crossing of the T's and mm. you're, you, you, know, you fell asleep at the desk and as, as you crumpled into a pile, your, your hand slipped on the pen and you made the final signature and perhaps then it is, it is in a, an unconscious breach well, of, of the accused constitutional under rights. the influence of the Holy Spirit or something like that. <laughs> yeah, if you're possessed. Yeah. I mean, if you could argue... <laughs> to break somebody's constitutional yeah. rights, that's uh, top of the list on the old possession. They, Demonic <laughs> possession in the court of law, yeah. I, do we all agree that that interpretation of the words deliberate and conscious seems... Was very hard ...to line. not make much sense? Well, it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense in practice when it comes to... The professional work of the guardie. In fairness, though, if you fo- by accident fall on a load of drugs, like your grand, you can see. Oh, that's them. fine. I mean, but yeah, the, the yeah, like the situations know, the, that they kind of. If you slip and fall into a dwelling that has, you know, 
kgs of cocaine then you're or if it. you're a member i don't know if you're part of like the the garda helicopter unit and you were to fall from the helicopter through the roof <laughs> of the suspect's dwelling and in doing so land on some stolen goods then those would be perfectly admissible as evidence in a court of law but i think the the, the scenarios that they yeah, paint as being admissible i don't think the skydiving technique is the the traditional kind of means of accessing people's houses in Angarda Shiakana. But the arguments to counter this was that such a strict admissibility of evidence rule being enforced on the Gardaí meant that standards as a result, standards of conduct would, would improve and there would be more professionalism in the Gardaí when seeking to obtain evidence. Now, the real strict rule that was in place in Ireland for years was uh, the rule in... Kenny. It was the kind of easy way to put it was ridiculously strict. So Pierce, just fill us in on exactly what happened in this case called Kenny. A peace commissioner um, who was asked to issue a warrant by the Gardaí failed to sufficiently investigate the Gardaí's reasoning for seeking this warrant. And whether this was by accident or by design on the Gardaí's part, it was found to have breached the defendant's constitutional rights for presumably having reasonable um, suspicion or reasonable grounds on which to violate the uh, the inviolability or the integrity of somebody's private dwelling. Just to clarify what a peace commissioner is, I, I guess they're in a position, they're lay people, they're not judges, they're not members of the, the Gardaí, the people who you can volunteer to be a peace commissioner. I don't know what kind of process goes into uh, selecting you for that role, but essentially in the absence of a judge, you are entitled to issue a warrant. Mm. Let's say if it's the middle of the night or something and the guardie are playing a dawn raid or something. The judge is at home in bed and you don't want to disturb him. You can go to a peace commissioner and you get The judge signed. is off playing golf somewhere. <laughs> yeah, so the, like it's obviously a very, a very, very high standard to meet for, for guardie. And I guess then the real debate comes about of whether we should have that high a standard. But there are what they call in the case extraordinary excusing circumstances, which are circumstances in which a guard is allowed breach someone else's constitutional right to inviolability of the dwelling. What are those circumstances, Alex? So this could be the protection of somebody or the protection of life, or if the guardie think that evidence is going to be destroyed by waiting, basically. That's the sort of reasons that you can you can just breach somebody's constitutional rights in the moment to investigate a crime or to prevent a crime. So I'll give you just one example. There was a case where the guards had turned up at the house of someone they suspected had drugs on the property. They had their warrant in hand and they heard a toilet in the house flushing. So they suspected that the drugs were being flushed down the toilet and therefore that the evidence was being destroyed. So they entered the house. So just to spell it out, what it means about excluding the evidence, it means the evidence can't be used at trial, and that's very problematic. If you're a prosecutor, and you're prosecuting someone for the possession of drugs, but the judge won't allow the drugs that they had in their possession to be used against them as evidence at trial, because they were obtained unconstitutionally. As a prosecutor, you're probably not going to have any case against them at all, if you can't show that they had the drugs and you can't show that the Gardaí collected these, this evidence constitutionally. So with the O'Brien and Kenny cases that we've discussed, the judges are balancing two things. What are they, Pierce? The entitlement of society, number one, to have 
those guilty of crimes properly prosecuted and convicted. Um, and that, of course, requires an element of suspicion and investigation on the behalf of the guards to, to find these people. And secondly, we also must ensure that the agents of the state, the guardy, operate within the legal boundaries of their investigative powers. So you have to be able to find a happy medium. Now, strictly speaking in the Constitution, society or the victims of crime don't have any explicit rights. The only person that has a constitutional right here in question is the person who the Gardaí are knocking on the door of with their warrant. The well, no, victims no, no, do not have that is, no, that specific is, I, constitutional okay, rights. That is, again, that is framing for our listeners a very difficult question to answer in a very... I think you're coming at it from a, very, from a really weird way, right? So... It is that is not true. It is not just the criminal alleged criminals that have the constitutional rights. Everybody has the constitutional rights. Anybody could be can be accused of a crime. We ha- like I have inviolability of dwelling. You have inviolability of dwelling. Well, we we so does well, and, and just because in this instance, and potentially an innocent man, remember, an innocent man or woman is being accused of a crime. That does not mean. That they are a criminal and does not mean that their constitutional rights would be broken. Everybody, if you don't give criminals constitutional rights, then none of us have them. And that's because, as you've said, they're not criminals until they are proven criminals. Innocent until proven guilty. So then 25 years later, the law changed again with a case called JC. Kenny had been in power for 25 years since 1990 up until 2015, 2016 with this case this seminal case of of JC came before the courts and the courts were very divided on this. In fact, it was only a majority of four to three in the Supreme Court judgment. But when we reflect on the Kenny rule, this operated as an automatic absolute bar to the admissibility of unconstitutionally obtained evidence and only in the so-called extraordinary excusing circumstances, um, which are very, very extreme. Or accidental. Unintentional or accidental, which again falls under this conscious and deliberate um, kind of terminology, which is very confusing. Essentially, the court found that the Kenny rule was unfit for purpose in that it didn't strike a proper, appropriate, practical balance between the entitlement of the state of society to have criminals properly convicted for something that quite clearly on, on the face of it they did and could be very much seen in the eyes of, of lay people anyway as people getting off on technicalities. Yeah. The, the, there's not much satisfaction in somebody who is, or a community that is the victim of vicious drug trafficking and criminal activity, seeing those people hauled up in front of the court only to get off on what might be a very minor and not particularly egregious breach of constitutional rights. So JC was another case relating to search warrants and it was a man who had burgled a bookmaker's. The guardy went to his house, they had a search warrant. The search warrant was defective though and this meant that the search was in breach of JC's constitutional rights. It breached the inviolability of it breached the inviolability of his dwelling. Now, Justice Clark looked back at the Kenny and O'Brien cases and decided to make a new rule for the admissibility of unconstitutionally obtained evidence. He said if a guard consciously and deliberately breaches someone's constitutional rights, in other words, he knows that he is breaching their rights, then the evidence will be excluded. 
But interestingly, Justice Clark said it's not just about whether the guard knocking on the door with his search warrant in hand knew he was breaching the rights of the person inside. It's about whether more senior guardy, people higher up in the police force, also knew about the breach of constitutional rights. However, if a guard breached constitutional rights but didn't know he was doing it, then the evidence can be allowed if it's shown that the breach was due to inadvertence. The viability of the dwelling, you know, whether and the other constitutional rights like bodily integrity are really important and they do apply, they apply to everybody in Ireland. It is not just, you know, some random ruffian who's being convicted or who's like, you know, they're trying to convict. There's no, There's no satisfaction for the victims victim. here yeah. in, in this case because it, it what, what is a very obvious crime and who by right should be deemed a criminal has escaped on a particularly out of step, certainly by European standards, out of step rule regarding the admissibility of unconstitutionally obtained evidence. It did lead to cases where people who were clearly in breach of, of quite strict and quite severe criminal legislation were escaping on very minor slip-ups on, on the part of the Gardaí. Now, there is the argument that, of course, there shouldn't be scope for slip-ups or mistakes or errors within our police force and that this rule, this Kenny rule, as strict as it is, should encourage proper practice of the guards and, and ensure that they exercise their powers responsibly and to the letter of the law. If you're coming from a non-legal perspective and you didn't realise that the inviolability of the dwelling was something that was in the constitution. Let's say you're a burglar and you breach someone else's right to their inviolability of the dwelling and you enter their house and steal a TV and then bring it back to your house. Then subsequently the guardie come to your house with a warrant looking for that stolen TV and there's an issue with the warrant and it's defective in some way and then they breach your inviolability of the dwelling. People might find it ironic that someone who was a burglar and had breached someone else's right to inviolability. Then relies on that very right. relies on the very right that they had disrespected. Is there a logic to that? But there's a difference between like a criminal doing it and the state doing it. And you have to be very careful where you allow, like the leeway you allow agents of the state to come into your house and, and search your stuff and go like go through your private your private things. Yeah, but the state, the state also can't equally be hindered by a, a very harsh... And, and hard line defence of the rights of the individual to the point that they're actually failing to exercise their primary job, let's say, in, in regards to the guardie, which is the detention and prosecution and subsequent conviction of people who are breaking the law. That's very dangerous, though, because you don't know that they're breaking the law. We have this kind of beyond reasonable doubt thing. Because yeah, but you're, you're saying, you're so... saying like, I mean, it, it's like, I mean, you're saying, yes, of course, in, in, in the most, in the most, um, kind of extreme and hardline interpretation of of the law yeah okay we're not supposed to know that people have have broken the law but but the reality is that people do break the law and 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 those people have to be brought to justice alex tell me about the dissent in the case from justice hardiman justice hardiman put out a very strong dissent i think is to say the least it was very kind of impassioned it was uh, now. I find it. Persu- I find it persuasive. Obviously, you two different didn't. No, I find um, it quite persuasive. Basically, he said that the state and you know the agents of the state, the force publique, as he described it as, is kind of this kind of catch-all term. Do at times, you know, set people up. They've they frame people. There's been you know the mar- 
Morris McCabe fiasco was a perfect example of that. And, you know, if you look, anybody who's watched any sort of documentary on the American criminal justice system, you know, whether it's making a murderer, whether it's the OJ trial, police, as much as they deserve absolute respect, cannot be, you know, just handed over all this power and trusted explicitly, regardless of what they say. Now, Justice Clark describes it kind of as a spectrum. So, O'Brien was... Too lax. Too lax. And then Kenny was too strict. So, remind people what O'Brien was again. O'Brien was, as long as it's not a conscious and deliberate breach, it's okay. And then Shaw kind of confused that whole thing, and then Mm. it all went... Has been... It was such an unnatural evolution of the law to to to, to then inevitably this very very strict Kenny rule. We agree that it's some sort of spectrum, like in the sense that okay, so you have a Brian too lax, Kenny's too strict. So JC is somewhere in the middle, but we do have to remember that the real consequences of this, if you just go by a complete you know probability standpoint, the further away you go from Kenny into the middle, or whether it's out to O'Brien the more innocent people will go to jail. No, I, yes. I no, I disagree with that because this is this is not, and Justice Clark makes this point in the judgment, to get a search warrant, you're going into someone's house to search for something. You know, if, if, if there's nothing in the house, the guards can't, there's no evidence, the guards have no evidence against them. So, I mean, if they're entering a house of a... Uh, Planting uh, evidence is a thing as well, you know, like that happens. I, it does. Okay, that's, that's a fair point. But I don't necessarily, and Justice Clark does say this, because this is not about unreliable evidence, like confessions. Confessions are seen as not the strongest form of evidence. Because incredibly people, unreliable. Because people can be pressured. Arise, yeah, they can arise from breaches of constitutional rights. But you see, the thing is... It's very and ironically, hard. in the JC case, a confession it is very, did occur. It is very difficult to convince a jury that a confession isn't reliable, even though they are notoriously unreliable. It's probably also very difficult to convince a jury that someone whose house you went into and found... 20,000 euros worth of cocaine isn't responsible for that cocaine being there. Maybe this is a very lax perspective, but, you know, if you've nothing to hide, while the guardi are breaching your rights and entering your premises, they've got nothing on you because there's nothing to, Jeez, nothing Gavin, to find. We're, we're, going, we're going a bit further than JC here. We're going into, like, you know... Well, it is, it like... is important to have trust in public institutions and confidence in the authorities which police us. And so, I mean, like Gavin's point stands in insofar as if you've done nothing wrong, you should have nothing to fear under the long arm of the law. This is very, like, we go, this is a very slippery... <laughs> but, but, like, I know I'm making a slippery slope argument, and I know that annoys a lot of people. The further you go down that road, the closer you get to, like, you know, well, oh, well, one, the guards can, can search you, you and everyone. Well, can you explain how, apart from planted evidence, can you explain how more innocent people would be at risk of going to jail because of this? Look, Because they're, they're, I think this is more related to the rights of people who are... But it's not likely okay. guilty or are likely to have something in their constitutional possession. Constitutional rights are not just about, it's not just inviolability of the dwelling. There are many, many rights. So the presumption of innocence has kind of a lot of connected rights, whether that's, you know, so it's a right to a fair trial, it's a right to silence. You know, we have this kind of very, very high standard of beyond the reasonable doubt because taking away somebody's liberty is a very, very big step. And for us to say to the state that they can do it, we have to have a really, really high standard for that. Because innocent people do go to jail. That's a fact. It happens. They slip through the cracks. But innocent people don't go to jail after the Gardaí having come into their house. Yeah, you can't innocently possess 20,000 euro worth of drugs. And what I... Well, look, I'll come back and I'll... Look, I'll, I'll, I'll switch sides here and 
the new uh, rule that came in with JC, okay, um, which is the, as, as we're saying, the kind of um, striking of a balance, talks about inadvertence. And the court acknowledges that this idea of an inadvertent breach might place a premium on ignorance within the guardie of saying, oh, oh, I wasn't aware of that I was doing anything wrong here, so I shouldn't be held accountable. But on the converse then, would it be, you know, that there is no law in society that says if a citizen, a private citizen, inadvertently breaks the law in some capacity that all of a sudden they're exempt from the, the, the process of justice uh, within the courts. You, you, ignorance of the law is no defence. Why should that operate for the guards that by saying I was unaware of this breach, therefore I should not be held accountable for it? It seems, it seems a very unfair system. Ultimately, like when you come before the courts, you are, you are an individual against the court and the state. And the court is basically saying that, well, it can just break constitutional rights if you want, even though, as you said... The power of the constitution comes from the people and the people have given everybody their rights and the court is deciding to take them away. Well, no, the, the court isn't deciding that at all. What they the court, said it's no, appro- no, listen, so listen, they, listen. They no, that no, if it's no, appropriate no, no, to break no, no, constitutional just, no, rights. No, just a minute now. Just a minute now. What the court is doing is recognising the practical application both of the powers of the guardie and the rights uh, of, of every individual. Practicality like we, we is, have practicality is the enemy of liberty. I'll state it again. There is no such thing as an absolute right. Okay? The rights are enjoyed insofar as practicable for the administration of justice within a free, liberal, tolerant, democratic society. It's, it's, not, it's not a break, okay? It's an infringement. It's not a full-blown breach. It's, it's kind of, you know, tickling around the edges of this particular right, but not, di- <laughs> not disturbing it insofar as somebody, somebody has suffered, suffered a great loss at, at the hands of, 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 of the state, okay? Tickling someone's constitutional right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So where do you fall in this debate? Do you think that the Gardaí should be afforded more latitude, as they were in the JC rule, to collect evidence and investigate crime? Or do you think that everyone's constitutional rights are so fundamental and sacrosanct that any evidence which is ever collected in breach of someone's constitutional rights, no matter how incriminating that evidence is, should be excluded at trial? Please let us know on Twitter or Instagram. Just search Legally Fond. And if you've enjoyed the podcast and learned something, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. (laughs) 